Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to the mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Notice what he says in verse 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who believe in God should be careful to maintain good works. Today on Truth in Christ, our good works allow others to see God's grace. Welcome everyone to our Bible study for today. Pastor Rob finalizes this part of our study in 1 Peter chapter 2 by analyzing how our good works will allow others to be drawn to God, but those good works will not get us into heaven. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So even though Peter reminds us to live honorably and do good, we only have power to act this way because we are saved by the grace of God. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's message. He will be restored. And then, so after this happens... Nebuchadnezzar is totally blown away in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. Notice this, a result of Daniel's relationship and devotion to God. Let me read it to you. And this is the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the time, at the end of those seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among all the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand. Boy, that's a worship service. Do you see the worship in this man? He's worshiping God. This pagan king, his heart is changing, has changed. No one can restrain his word or say, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor, my splendor returned to me, and my counselors and my nobles, they resorted to me again. Nobody was trying to run over the throne and take my place. Daniel was the overseer of it all, and Daniel could have taken the moment and seized it. But he said, you know what? I'm going to submit to this man. Daniel knew his place in God's hand. Do you know your place, where your place is? You can ask God. He's not going to withhold it from you. Be diligent and pray about it. And don't 
fuss against where he places you. If he places you as number three in the totem pole, you'd be the most faithful number three you've ever been. If he's placed you as an under rower, you'd be the most faithful under rower. If he's placed you at the head, you better be careful <laughs> and pray twice as hard and, uh, you know, and, and be faithful in whatever you do. But notice what he says in verse 36. At the same time, my reason returned to me. And um, as he goes on in that verse, I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, notice, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. Again, Daniel and his three fellows, conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Notice the influence and the consistency of their witness to this man. Started off as a man who would just kill anybody, feared. I mean, the, the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar and of Babylon was notorious for being ruthless. These guys were trained killers. And God was going to take this Hebrew young man from Judah and his three fellows, bring them into Babylon under captivity. And these four specifically would be instrumental in the salvation, being part of God's plan for this king to come to faith in Christ. It's kind of funny because remember Saddam Hussein. Saddam wanted to be... He thought himself as an ancestor of Nebuchadnezzar and saw him and Nebuchadnezzar. They even minted coins in Babylon with his inscription and Nebuchadnezzar's on the other side. So he wanted to be just like Nebuchadnezzar. But I wonder if he read the Bible. Because his idol, his mentor, the one he wanted to be like, I believe is in heaven. I pray that Saddam had the same fate. We don't know. But people are watching you. They're watching you and I, aren't they? So these two Hebrew men, Jewish, in a foreign land, under Gentiles, they were honorable. And with us, people are watching us too. We remember in Ephesians, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Again, the scripture just comes back and it haunts us, doesn't it? But it's so important to us because we need to remember that we are being watched. Does that, does that bother you? <laughs> to know that you're being watched? Know that your life is being examined, it's being scrutinized? By unbelievers. And by unbelievers. Your life is a museum piece. You are on display as people walk by. They're looking at you, they're watching you. How are they going to handle this? I heard that their parents, both of their parents were just killed in a car accident. How are they going to deal with that? I just found out that so-and-so left uh, her, her husband, or, his, or left, the husband left him, left her. Actually, in our culture, that could be true, couldn't it? Unfortunately. How are they going to deal with that? Where's the source of your power? Where's the source? Where's your strength? We should be careful And like it says in Colossians, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Walk in wisdom, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how how you ought to answer each one. And in verse 12 there, we're back in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. It says that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. When they speak against you as evildoers. Do you know the Jewish people have been 
um, the brunt, all throughout their existence, from the very beginning, they've been the brunt of jokes. They've been the brunt of myths. They've been the brunt of slander. There have been comic caricatures made of them and ridiculed, and propaganda has gone out against them. We live in an anti-Semitic world. And why is that? Because the devil knows that on a Temple Mount in Jerusalem, he cannot do anything to stop it. There's going to be a Jewish Messiah. His name is Jesus, and he is going to set foot on the Mount of Olives, and the kingdom of the Antichrist is going to be dissolved. He's going to be destroyed. He knows that's coming. So what does he do? He punishes, he persecutes the woman, Israel, the Jewish people. He persecutes them. They have been, and yet, you know, no other race on the planet has been as hated and consistently targeted as they have, and yet they've been among the greatest minds on the planet in the fields of medicine, science, music, the fine arts, architecture, banking, philosophy. They've been the best at everything they do. They just recently found out they had, I even heard a thing on the news, I, don't, I haven't seen any more about it, but they claim they found a cure for cancer. A group of Israeli scientists. And I thought to myself, if anyone's going to find a cure, it's going to be the Jews. God has just given them a great gift, a great mind. I love them. But they've been the brunt of everything throughout history. During the Middle Ages, remember when the bubonic plague was going throughout Europe, killing millions of people, the Jewish race were the, were the race of people who were largely unaffected. They were affected in a very small degree, very small degree, and everyone around is dropping like flies, and they're thinking, you guys must be the, the reason for it, right? So instead of rejoicing that people are living, rather they become more of targets because now the public is turning against them, thinking that they had something to do with it, that they are the cause for this bubonic plague. And they were strongly accused as a result. And even more recently, in the 1940s, during World War II, Hitler tried to exterminate the Jewish race. And he succeeded in over six million Jews, throwing them in ovens, gassing them in chambers, torturing them, mutilating them. I'll never forget one of the most touching things I've ever seen in my life was when we went to Israel in 2005. We went through the Israel Museum in Jerusalem. And if you ever get to go, it's an amazing thing. But the very last thing before you leave, there's this video. And Kathy was there. We saw it together. And I wept because I saw the bulldozer. They had live, they had footage of a bulldozer bulldozing in, in World War II in that era when they were exterminating the Jews. Bulldozers, piles, mountains of bodies of Jewish people. And the bulldozers were just bulldozing them into a hole and they would just cover them up with dirt. And I saw that, and I just, I wept. Broke my heart in a million pieces. And the Christians that Peter's talking to, they were, he was writing to them because they were being criticized as well. They were going to be hated. Even as Christians now, Jews who are now Christians, it's like a double hate now because they hated the Jews. Now you're a, a Jew who is a turncoat, right? Because now you've turned to Christianity. Doubly hated now by the world doubly hated by the enemy. And it says that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, notice good works, which they observe, may glorify God in the day of visitation. You know, our works are very important. In Titus chapter 3, let me just read this to you. 
He says, remind them, Paul reminding Titus, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. And this is going to be a great segue for next week because we're not going to have time to get into verse 13, uh, 13 through 17. But this is a segue into that because now Paul says to Titus, remind them to be subject to rulers and authority, the church, to obey these leaders, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Sounds like our culture today. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to the mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Notice what he says in verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who believe in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Good and profitable to men. Again, we are not saved by our works. We know that. Remember when we were in James? It's not our works that save us. It's faith in God that saves us. But as a result of that faith, work should come out of us, right? Because what he has worked within us, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Isn't that what the scripture says? For it's God who works in you both to will first, and then to do his good pleasure. But the work should come. Take inventory of your life. Say, Lord, have I done anything to honor you? Am I serving you in, any, in some way? Am I, am, I, am I engaged in the game? It's no game. But are you engaged in this warfare? Every one of us has a place. And the Lord loves you, doesn't he? He loves you so much. And how can we repay such a great God? How can we repay what he has done for us? Do you realize the eternity separated from him? I don't understand eternity. I, you know, definition, I can give you a definition of what I think eternity is, but folks, eternity is it's not even a long time. It never ends. I can't fathom eternity. That's the blessing we have, this brief time we have. So, so short, we make the decision, and then eternity, we reap the results of those decisions. Kind of brings a gravity, doesn't it, to my life now. I'm like, God, I want to I do everything and anything that you want me to do. I want to be in tune with you, and I don't want to be. And, and you know what? Every one of us in this room, I think, desires that. And sometimes you can get so worked up, you get so frustrated. You're like, you know what? I just give up. I, I don't know how to do this. And God knows that. He knows you better than you know yourself. So when you get frustrated and angry, because I, I saw this video on the America's Funniest Home Videos. This little boy was down on his knees, and he was going, and his mother said, what are you doing? He says, I'm trying to grow up. We want to grow up. We do. If you're like me, I want it to happen. But boy, it takes time, doesn't it? God is, God is not just concerned about the end. 
The means is so important. The ends never justify the means. He, he's looking for the, the, inter, the, the intermediary steps that we take in this sanctified life. As we're being sanctified to him, this process is what is so important. That is the important stuff right there in the middle. That's where God wants to bring us. So get on that track and never look back. Put your hand on the plow and never look back. And if you're honest and you say, Lord, I remember I was frustrated when I was younger, when I was a much younger Christian. I was so frustrated with myself because I wanted God's will to be done so bad. I just didn't know how to do it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, Lord. I don't, I don't know how to do this. I read your word. I know what's right. And I know what's wrong. And he's like, that's good. You keep going. And, and don't worry about that stuff because I'm going to present things in your life and I'll prepare your heart. All you've got to do is respond. And I thought to myself, you know what, that's, that's good enough for me. So I took my hands off the wheel. I stopped worrying. I stopped being fretting and, and worrying and stressing about it. Because I did. I was scared to do anything because I, do, I didn't want to do anything out of the will of God. And the Lord just spoke to me. He says, Rob, just relax. I can do this. I can do this through you. Don't worry. Just relax. Will you stop and just relax, please? You make my job harder by getting all worried. Just relax and let God. Just read his word, pray, and let him change your heart. And guess what? He's responsible to bring the things into your life, and you respond to them prayerfully, and you'll find yourself in his will. And you look back. I look back on my life now, having worried about the will of God and finally giving up and saying, I can't do it. I look back now, and I see, wow, Lord. How did you do that? How did you do that? Ever wonder? Look back. Take inventory. It's good to write milestones down. Write them down. Because someday you're going to look back on them and you're going to say, when you're feeling really down, you're going to say, I need to know where I've been. And you'll have a record. Amen? So do that. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. Boy, what a great hope we have. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile you, your good conduct in Christ may be that they may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Isn't that true? If you do evil, you're going to suffer, and that's your own fault. (laughs) But if you suffer for Christ's sake, that's good. That's why Peter and James and John, when they were arrested on the temple and finally brought in before the religious leaders, and they beat them and says, do not preach in this name anymore. They walked away, counted. they, They were blessed because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They weren't killed yet. <laughs> they were beaten. They were, swore, they, they were severely encouraged not to speak in this name anymore. But our conduct, is it honorable among the Gentiles and the authorities when we submit and obey to that authority? And finally, we're going to end in this one verse 
And it's going to be a great segue for next week as we get into the submission to governments and submitting to husbands to wives and wives to husbands and slaves to masters. Here's our verse, Matthew chapter 5. And it's our meditation verse today, I believe. Jesus said in Matthew 5, in that great sermon on the, on the mount, he said, you are the light of the world. Remember, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But now he says, now you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. What does light do when it comes into a dark place? It illuminates everything. And sometimes people are squinting because it might be a little bright. He says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill. It cannot be hid, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine. Let your works, let the things, let the very life of Christ, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They may see your good works. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. You know, one day we'll stand before Jesus, even as Christians, and there'll be rewards given. We read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read about these rewards that God's going to give to us. And I want every one of those rewards, don't you? It may not seem like a big deal to you right now, but I believe when the time comes, it will be a big deal. Because so many people are dissatisfied to have their stamp to heaven. I've confessed my, 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 my sin. I'm, I'm born again. I'm saved. And they're just content with just having the stamp to get to heaven. That's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Let your life be consumed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him take all of you. Don't be afraid. Are any of you afraid? I'll confess to you that I was afraid. But you don't have to be afraid. He's the most gentle, loving king, unlike anyone else that you've ever experienced. And you know this. But I want to remind you to let him get a hold of you again. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, do it today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Do you remember those five young ladies from Fairport, those cheerleaders back? I forget what year it was. I think it was 2006. Remember I had a, shared some things about them a while back. Those five young ladies had no idea as they graduated Fairport High School that when they went to Canisius Lake that night, that that would be their last time. We don't have a guarantee for tomorrow. All you have is right now. So if you haven't given your heart to Christ, please pray with somebody. You don't need to pray with anybody, actually. You can just, in the volition of your own mind, say, God, forgive me. I receive Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. It's important. Because if you're not a sinner, then you don't need to be saved. And Christ wouldn't have had to die. But if he died, then there's a reason that he died. It's because of sin. And every one of us have sinned. Be free today. Be free. If the worship team could come up, we're going to take communion this morning. And while the ladies are, while we're worshiping, the ushers are going to hand out the elements. And if you could, hold on to them. We'll take it together. Okay? Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that, Lord, you would just 
open heaven and pour it upon us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done in our life. Lord, set us apart and help us to remember the great price that was paid and to love you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.